It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. We're excited today to talk to Inas Abu Hamed. She is a Palestinian woman and a PhD in chemistry. And while at Cambridge, she discovered a really cool technology for hydrogen-based clean energy. It is basically this sponge that you can turn on and off to hold energy or release energy. And it's really a game changer. She had to go from scientist to businesswoman, which is a big change to adapt to. And she's now uh, going to share her insights and expertise on how they're getting funding, um, you know, how they're testing the market, working with communities, um, and just really tackling a huge problem that is globally uh, impacting everybody. This is the number seven. Uh, issue on the sustainable uh, sustainable development goals, and that is energy, of course. So we're going to dive into this conversation, hear what she has to say. There's a lot to learn from Inas, um, and she's just a really uh, great person to chat with. She's got a lot of energy, uh, so you're going to enjoy this. Um, guys, don't forget, just coming up soon, right around the corner in May, we have the ninth edition of Change Creator Magazine with Dale Partridge. Um, it's a really powerful edition, so make sure you stop by the App Store, download the Change Creator Magazine app. You get one month free trial, of course, and there's a, a free uh, download with our archive issue number three. So you can check that out. Um, stop by the store, leave us a review, and um, without further ado, we're going to dive into this conversation. Hey, Anas, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining the Change Creator Podcast Show. Thank you very much, Adam. Happy to be here. Good, good. Well, I'm excited to hear what you're doing, and I came across uh, your information not too long ago, and, you know, anything around the energy sector, um, I get excited about to see what you're do- what people are doing, and, and it looks like you're doing a lot of great work in, in a couple different ways, so we'll tap into those things and the importance of it. Um, if you could just give us a little bit of background. So, you know, you, you are a spinoff of, from Cambridge. Um, how, what were you doing before this all started and how did you get involved in, in energy and chemistry and all these things that you're doing now? Um, that's a good introduction question. So uh, everything started during my PhD. I was working on a project where I was involved in storing hydrogen gas uh, and I came up with an invention that I didn't really know what to do with. So luckily at the University of Cambridge, we have programs that you can investigate uh, commercial potential of inventions. So I did that with a a number of students, graduate students and mentors, people who helped me to actually realize that the technology that I have invented in the lab has got a lot of uh, potential. So when I say, sorry. Oh, yes. I'm just curious. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, before I forget, well, what, what was it that, that you, you created there at that point that you go, hmm, maybe I have something? And I guess I'm really curious if you have a process for validating and testing. Um, what was that? How did that work? 
Yeah, so basically in the lab, I came up with a, a material that we like to call smart sponge material, uh, which literally behaves like a sponge. It can absorb hydrogen gas and can store it and only release it when you turn it on. So you can basically switch the sponge on and off uh, like a tap. Uh, uh, when you switch it on, it will uh, absorb hydrogen, it will store it, and only when you switch uh, you switch it off, it releases the gas when you want to use it um, as a fuel. Um, now, uh, I didn't realize that, I mean, I thought that it was a cool technical project, but I didn't realize that the ability to store uh, hydrogen and to store it's a form of energy in such a safe manner has got a lot of value outside in the commercial world. Mm. And more importantly, uh, the social uh, implications for inventions like this, because hydrogen, what's unique about it is that you can produce it from water. It doesn't have any carbon in the first place. So when you burn it to produce clean energy, the only byproduct that you can have in the process is water vapor that you can recycle it back to water okay. and use it again and again. So it's a very elegant reaction. You produce zero carbon emissions and we're all like, we all live in the same planet where emissions and carbon emissions uh, are harmful for everyone who lives yeah. on the planet. No one can escape that. Um, and such technologies, if we push them more and more into the market, it can be helpful for uh, everyone yeah. to breathe clean air, to cook with clean, to use fuels to cook with uh, clean fuel sources, um, to power our hospitals, our homes, uh, our industries with uh, uh, zero emission, with fuels that can produce zero carbon emissions. Okay, so this would accompany then, um, you know, the solar approach, and this is coming, just so I'm clear, this is coming from water, you're saying? The hydrogen, uh, so in the industry, it can come from water or it can come from uh, not clean sources, but what we do, the hydrogen that we produce yeah. is a clean hydrogen that comes from water. Okay. Okay, very cool, very cool. All right, so I got that. And then how did you, okay, so then you had a program that you were, how did you validate that, okay, this is a, a valid idea? I mean, yes, we, we know, um, you know, clean energy is valuable to, um, you know, everybody on the planet. So I think there's there's a justification right off the bat just to say, yeah, we need this. Um, but you said you went through a process to validate, is this something I can commercialize in the sense, you know, for mainstream and, and make a product? How, how did yes. you do that? Yeah, so basically we looked at uh, trends in the industry. We looked at the adoption rate of renewable energy out there and realized that actually it's only growing. Uh, and it's going to uh, grow more and more in the future. Mm -hmm. Now, renewable energy could be the source of power to produce hydrogen from water. So this solution could be... Uh, uh, affordable, say, in developing countries. So we looked at the adoption rate of uh, renewable energy. We looked at the demand, which is only increasing for more and more power. And we looked at countries where they don't even have grids to have a sustainable um, uh, access to power. 
places like countries like Nigeria, for example, where 60% of the country isn't connected to the grid. And when they have uh, power, it usually like to overcome that, the power that they, they produce, they produce it from diesel using uh, generators. And that produces a lot of emissions, mm. uh, harmful emissions, and it comes at premium prices to remote areas. Sure. Uh, collecting all this for, uh, information, we realized that actually we can be positioned to solve uh, in part or in large part in the future uh, the problem of access to clean power at affordable prices using our technology uh, and through throughout the scaling up cycles that we can go through and make use of the uh, growth in the adoption for renewable energy. Sure, sure. And, and so, so I guess I'm curious now, you talked about some of the developing areas um, that um, are off-grid and things like that. So I'm wondering, would you be potentially, I guess, you have people like water.org and charity water. So if you're working from water, do you need water from the area? So if there if there's areas that don't even have access to clean water, um, how does that work there? And it seems it seems like it could be an interesting partnership with those groups that are, are doing that. You can bring them water and through that by getting water in the area, you can actually start creating um, these clean energy solutions for them too. Yeah. So people are uh, importing diesel. Uh, so if you import, if you can import diesel to remote areas, I wouldn't imagine that it would be a problem to import water to places where you don't have gotcha. uh, water. That's one thing. The other thing is that in the process of producing energy with hydrogen, um, when you uh, when you burn hydrogen to produce a clean power the byproduct in the process is water vapor that water vapor can be recycled into water and used again and again yeah that's great that's really cool uh there's just so much potential here um that I'm, i'm hearing from you and it looks like there's actually a really big market looking at your website it says in the developing world 1.2 billion people live without access to the power grid but they're spending about $27 billion annually on lighting, you know, and mobile phone charging, kerosene candles, battery, all those types of things. Um, so obviously, this could be a huge uh, opportunity, not only to help people, but it becomes very um, viable from a business standpoint. Exactly. Uh, that's absolutely correct. Um, so... Basically, uh, we had uh, some uh, some interesting uh, comments or feedback in the past where people said, what you're doing is great in terms of its social impact, but where's the business case? Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is it going to be a charity work? Would you need to go for uh, nonprofits and governments and uh, people who uh, donate lots of money uh, 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 for to to power areas, remote areas in the developing world, right. and the answer is absolutely no. This is a business case. Yeah, because people are already paying for diesel. People are not using diesel for free. They are actually paying for expensive diesel because there isn't uh, much competition. So if you say to people who are paying premium prices for diesel that is harmful and has got health implications 
that we will offer you a cleaner alternative for a cheaper price, this is a business case. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that, that's part of what we're all about here at Change Creator is we really want to bring um, illumination to the idea of, you know, yes, you can actually make a, a living while pursuing these causes that you're passionate about and that are really just important. You know, there's nothing to feel bad about um, earning income while serving a population with something that is helpful. And, and it's good not only for that population, but for everybody. Right. So, um, yeah. Because you hear a lot, a lot of people, and I get this feedback, you know, even if someone's interviewing me, we'll have this conversation and they'll say, well, you know, the, the stigma is if you're doing good, <laughs> then it must be a charity or a nonprofit and you're not making a lot of money. And, um, you know, through all the conversations I have with people like yourself, um, we're proving that, well, that's just not the case. Um, so it's, an yeah. it's, it's good to see and good to hear. Um, and I think people just have to look at what, their, what the market potential is. Is there actually a business opportunity, like you mentioned? Um, and then to not be shy about the fact that just because you're doing something to help people that you can actually make money too. It's not, you yeah. know, it's not a bad thing. Absolutely, because the size of this project is quite big. And it's a long-term project. It's not a short-term project. Uh, that you can, you know, uh, unlike uh, some apps where you develop the app and you have a, a number of users and you can generate money through uh, through the users, uh, or um, or a other a, a, a nonprofit projects where you have a, a, a limited budget for a project and it cannot be long term. It's really difficult to find nonprofit projects around uh, out there that last for 25 years because even nonprofits they operate on certain budgets. Yeah. So the only way we could sustain this business is through generating uh, money to develop it further and expand it and grow it uh, and. Uh, uh, th that is the only way that, that is possible to do it. Of course, charity money could, could help kick-starting projects like this. Yeah. But I think it's really difficult to sustain it for long term. Yes, I, I think he hit the nail on the head. And I interviewed uh, Dr. Alistair Harris, who um, you know is a social entrepreneur in the marine biology space. And he said, listen, I had to create a business as a social entrepreneur in order to fund my conservation efforts. This is where the money comes from to actually scale the impact. So it's a, it's a necessary part of the process. Um, and he said he made that decision over grants and donations because just like you said, they're not reliable and sustainable. Um, whereas if you have a smart business model, that can be reliable and sustainable. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, so I guess I, I'm curious, so what are some of the challenges that you've come across? I have two questions actually I wanna get into, so don't forget, let me actually write one down, <laughs> is yeah. what are some of the challenges you're getting into? Um, and um, see, I already lost my second thought, darn it. Let's start with that one and I'll remember my other one. So some of the current challenges you're, you have faced that you had to overcome and, and not just the science of this, but you know the business side of this. Like you are building a business, so how far along are you? Um, it looks like, was this started in 2016? Is that um, copyright 2016, it looks like? Uh, so uh, we officially registered the company um, uh, in July 2014. Okay, okay. Uh, however, at that time, I was still uh, finishing my PhD. Uh, uh, so it was in the, I was, I wasn't really full time on this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've been, we've been in the go, uh, since 2014. 
and uh, yeah the last two years uh, we have uh, we have faced a uh, a number of te uh, technical challenges, for example, when you're building a hardware uh, um, a product, uh, depends as well on its scale. You always have problems. Uh, things cannot go very fast, as you mentioned, the timing. The timing is very important to put a product in the market. Yeah. Um, and uh, building product fast is is not easy. Uh, building a product fast with limited resources is even more difficult. Yep. And um, so technical technical challenges were were one of the challenges, one type of challenges that we faced. Um, social challenges. Um, so now it's uh, it's a um, um, very um, very common to introduce new products. Um, to societies, even with social impact and everything, yeah. Yeah. but people don't accept social change very easily. And because we uh, store energy in the form of hydrogen, people will always associate hydrogen with bombs, with the hydrogen bomb, <laughs> a safety aspect of hydrogen. And uh, so uh, when we first started, um, people didn't know much about hydrogen. And every time we talked about hydrogen, people would raise, um, would flag the uh, um, safety uh, issues. And as well, to, to engineer a safe hydrogen product takes some time, takes a lot of effort and uh, a lot of resources. So uh, altogether is, is, um, is challenging. But at the same time, uh, we're quite lucky to have supporters uh, like the Royal Academy of Engineering, um, uh, the University of Cambridge, Imperial College London, Climate Kick. So we have uh, we have a number of supporters who uh, did make it okay. uh, uh, possible to overcome challenges. Well, so are you talking to the actual communities in developing areas of the world? Are you, are you talking to them about these opportunities? Yes. Yeah, so we have a, a approached a hospital in Enugu, Nigeria, mm -hmm. uh, where they have more than 12 hours a day of lookouts in the hospital. So you can imagine how difficult it is to operate a hospital when like half of the time. It's <laughs> like impossible. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, so we have we have approached a, a hospital. We have a letter of intent from them that they, they are happy for us to test our um, uh, our uh, product and collaborate with us. Um, we have a, approached as well a fish farm a, a oh, operator yeah. in uh, Rwanda, mm -hmm. who as well expressed an interest to uh, collaborate and test uh, our uh, storage uh, uh, product. Did these groups farm. push back on the hydrogen factor? Were they raising those concerns? Uh, you'd be surprised, but no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's interesting because I guess my, what I was going to get to is, well, how are you overcoming the social concern and is there just is there another way to just position you know from a community standpoint because the layman you know maybe the more science-based communities or other businesses they might 
grasp it a little bit more easily. But if you're talking to developing, you know, communities and, you know, people who don't really understand any of this and they hear hydrogen, which raises a red flag, is there another way to position, you know, just how you talk about the business so it doesn't, so they don't, you know, have false concern? Um, yeah, so basically it depends on how painful uh, the situation is, I guess. Uh, say in Europe, where you don't have blackouts problem, uh, or you might have uh, uh, issues sometimes with how fast you get your electricity. Yeah. But this is like in the UK, we don't have we don't have issues with the with access to electricity. Right. You don't even think about it when you you can like you know switch the light on and leave it, and leave it on like without thinking about having to switch it off. But in other places, people uh, are more concerned about. Like you know, having access to power, and if if you say that you know we know how to engineer it, then and they know that it's going to solve a big painful problem, mm. they are willing. That's why they are willing to try it. They are willing to give it a go, uh, and yeah. So that's that's from our experience so far. It's not that we have deployed uh, hundreds of units, but uh, I guess when we get to that stage, whilst we are growing. Uh, I am sure we will we will come to 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 face that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Interesting. There is one more thing that I'd yeah. like to say. Uh, so we always compare ourselves to batteries. Batteries can be very dangerous. Sure. And it's just it, that it is engineered in a very safe way that everyone can use it. We can put it in our pockets. We can put put it on our bags. We can sleep in a room where we have lots of batteries, and we don't think about safety issues because it's engineered in in, in a safe way. That's exactly how you could, uh, uh, how safe you could engineer uh, hydrogen batteries. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, so I, I guess you know, as you're talking to people and you know, you're you're vetting this in the in the market a little more more and more. Um, what I guess, what have you learned about the needs of people um, with energy? So we we kind of touched on it already, um, which is you know they're they're getting diesel and kerosene. Um, is there, is there anything that was unexpected? Meaning, you know, you, you, you had this idea, obviously people need energy and, you, and we all know in our heads, there's so much that we do every day that require energy. Um, is there anything that surprised you as you started talking to people saying, wow, I didn't think about that. Like this is a particular need that you're addressing that people have, especially in developing areas, anything that came out of the blue or is, is something that you just didn't expect? Yeah, like the problem of uh, of uh, power in hospitals. I didn't really realize that you have places in this world where where hospitals can have blackouts for more than <laughs> neither 12, <did> I. <laughs> twelve hours a day because that's that's. Um, I mean, in the the part of the world that we live in, this is unthinkable. Yeah. Uh, so yes, so that that was shocking. That was a lot more than surprising. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's like one of the one of the reasons why I said let's try and focus on hospitals at the beginning, uh, because the applications for uh, our systems could be. Um, I mean, there are many applications, uh, but I said let's start like with with uh, with this, uh, because it really shocked me, and I I felt that you know. Uh, we can have a very important contribution to solve this problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I find that shocking too. I, I didn't know that. And I mean, it is unthinkable and it should be completely unacceptable. I mean, how can you operate a hospital? 
Um, wow. So I think that's a perfect place to start for you guys to, one, the greatest need, and um, two, it'll definitely prove out your case. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> um, really uh, interesting stuff. So I'm curious then, what are some of the, I guess, next steps you're taking um, with the work that you're doing? I, I guess, what's your vision ultimately? I, I know you want to help millions of people get energy. Um, you're starting with the hospital next. Um, so I guess, do you have a, a plan beyond the hospital and, and what to expect um, for H2Go as you guys keep growing? Yeah, I mean, um, our solution is, uh, as I said, can be compared to batteries. You can make it small and power cars. Uh, and now we have hydrogen cars on the road, uh, the Toyota Mirai cars. So you could you could use uh, the product to power cars. Uh, Which one? Could... There's a car already out there that has hydrogen power? Toyota Mirai. Toyota, I'm going to check that out. Okay. Um, I thought it was just electric, so I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, they are, they are and there are plans to expand uh, even more um, uh, and, uh, you know, spread uh, yeah. in different countries. Um, we definitely have them in the UK. Um, and uh, you can get free hydrogen in Heathrow Airport to fuel your, your cars. So uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And in California, I think you, you definitely have a number of hydrogen fuel stations. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can spot one of these hydrogen cars on the road. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious too, you know, I always like to just really understand the core of somebody and, you know, you are a chemist, you got a PhD in chemistry, which congratulations, because that is a topic that I can't wrap my head around. <laughs> Um, But you had to, you know, you're you're moving into a business space um, in order to get your your um, you know uh, technology out there. What inspires you um, about energy? Like, why energy? Why were you dabbling in energy to begin with? And and why is this important to you? I mean, there's the obvious, you know, it helps people and things like that, but. Um, this is your passion. So, how did you? How did this become your focus? Um, so, uh, a, a number of, of reasons. First, it's really uh, I am someone who is, I mean, very interested in, in solving technical problems, uh, and um, uh, I am quite. I quite like to work with challenges Mm -hmm. and energy is one of the biggest challenges that we are currently facing. You know, the UN have 17 uh, sustainable development goals and energy for all is one of them and it's number seven. And uh, I always think that, you know, it probably should have been number one because, because, I mean, Energy can allow you to uh, go to school and get education if you don't have, uh, if, the, if the school is, uh, uh, is not properly, uh, you know, powered, that will affect the amount of education that you can get. If you go home and you don't have lighting at home, uh, you cannot probably, like, uh, increase your uh, educational level and improve and study more. Um, health. It affects, like, you know, every life aspects, like from the uh, 
from the smallest to the biggest. Right. So that's why energy is so important. Uh, I mean, without energy, it's, uh, I mean, in these days, I mean, we feel that, you know, if we don't have uh, access to Wi-Fi, we're going to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we feel that Wi-Fi is a basic need, but I mean, imagine if we didn't have energy. Um, you have nothing after. You yeah. have nothing without energy. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big one. That's for sure. I mean, anybody listening, this is definitely a huge space. Um, and we need all the attention we can get. There's a lot that has to be done when it comes to energy. And, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be a, it's gonna cost a lot of money in order to get the world run, operating at a very clean, um, you know, stream of energy. So, you know, and I always look at that as opportunity. That means there's a lot of uh, money to be made and problems to solve, you know? Exactly. So we have around 1.2 billion people around the world who don't have access to right. uh, 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 electricity. And that's a large number. That's around, what, sixth of the entire population in the world. Uh, that's a huge number. So um, uh, solving energy problems can solve, like, layers uh, and levels of uh, human challenges. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what has been your biggest challenge moving from the, the, the chemist mindset to the business mindset? Yeah, so uh, that, that's, that was definitely an interesting transformation um, <laughs> because these two words don't, don't speak together uh, very, uh, uh, very well. So you have, uh, like, the scientist has to learn very well to speak the, the business language and uh, uh, yeah, the other way around. So I had to basically learn uh, a completely different terminology, a different, a completely different uh, way to communicate about the work that I was doing because scientists are very detailed when they, when they uh, talk about their work and business people, for example, they want the bottom line. They want like how much money this can make, how fast uh, you can, uh, you can make the money uh, that you proposed. And so this this sort of language, which is completely different. Uh, so yeah, it's been quite interesting. But with like, I mean, I think the combination between business and science is a winning combination because you can transfer value uh, from the lab space, from the research lab to the real world. So uh, yeah. That's interesting. Um... Um, so, Anas, I'm curious, um, you know, you are currently getting some great funding through fellowships and grants, and I know a lot of our audience is really interested in just understanding what that process is about. Um, you know, as you're a startup, I, I believe that getting a grant is a great way to get started because it actually is a way before, if you're looking to get to a bigger investor, like an angel investor at some point, the grants are a great way to establish um, that others are validating your business, that you have a business because they believe in what you're doing. So I'm curious on how you identified grants and fellowships to go after, if there was a strategy there. And once you did, how do you set yourself up? What's the process you had to go through? Was it lengthy? Was it quick? Like, how did that all work for you? Yeah, so, uh, well, first we have, we never uh, operate without uh, advice or advisors. So we had uh, um, advisors who helped us to uh, identify uh, uh, suitable grants 
um, and heard about fellowships like the Royal Academy of Engineering, uh, the, the recent one that I got, uh, it's quite famous. So it's they, they advertise it. So I heard about it and I thought it is j- just relevant to what we do. So I decided to give it to give it a go. Yeah. Uh, with with grants, it depends on the grant, where it's coming from, and how suitable it is for the development of the business. But um, in the UK and in the US, I believe as well, uh, the government um, have like open. Uh, they they look at the market. They look at what entrepreneurs do, and they um, tether and they look at trends in technology and try to tether proposals and grants to give money for people to develop technologies that could uh, be developed further in the future and have uh, important uh, economic and social impacts. So the grants are out there. Uh, People, I mean, can always look at the government um, uh, pages that is specialized in in giving out grants and see the suitability and ask people who went through the uh, process about the application, how they right. put it together. So it's always it's always important to get advice from people who went through the process because experience matters, yep. uh, and that did help quite a bit in in our case to to get some grants so it's like having mentorship in a sense you know it's um you know talk to people who've been there before uh so you found that to be an essential component to to being successful with with grants yeah absolutely so you you need to have the ingredients you need to have the ideas you need to have the process in place but experience matters because that can direct you how to kind of put everything together in a way that convinces the grant the grant uh the grant the people who are offering you uh, the grants that actually have everything in place and you can use the grant in the grants in the in the right way and um, uh, develop value mm. Very good. Very good. Um, how many grants and fellowships have you successfully achieved now? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I think it's, if you include as well the awards, it, it's around 10. Wow, you guys are crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some are small grants, some are very small grants, some are medium-sized grants, so yeah. it's, it varies. Very good. Well, listen, I appreciate you walking through that. That's really helpful. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and um, give an opportunity to let people know, you know, how else they can reach you and learn more about what you're doing. Um, so if you want to give a shout out to your website and how what you, you know, what the best way to connect with you is um, and learn more about it, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So our website is wwwh 2 the number. G O Power P O W E R dot com, and we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, uh, and I have a, a personal Twitter account that I uh, post uh, very often about hydrogen and yeah. energy in the developing world, uh, and that's uh, at E N A S A B U. Perfect. Uh, yeah, and I am yeah I am I am happy to um, to have as many questions or uh, great yeah well that's great because you know people uh, I'm always, I know I've had questions from our network to say 
how do I how do I network with other social entrepreneurs? And I think what's happening is the the up and coming um, social entrepreneurs would like to talk to the established social entrepreneurs who are in their space and ask questions and things like that. So sometimes that does come into play. And I know they've been asking for more of those opportunities. So we're actually working on some of those types of things as well. Um, so guys, just again, to recap, h2gopower.com, you can check out what they're doing. Um, and I, I had one more question I just wanted to ask before we parted ways, and I keep forgetting my questions. Um, I might have to circle back around on it, but uh, I really appreciate the conversation that uh, we had here. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of great work, and I know you're, you're super busy, so taking the time to chat today is much appreciated. Um, do you have any other questions for me? Otherwise, I'll let you get back to your uh, incredible work, and you can reach out anytime that you need anything. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak and share uh, my experience so far. And I'd be very happy to answer any questions from any of uh, anyone in your network. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so just hang on the line. We'll close out and um, we'll go from there. So thanks again and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the Change Creator Revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play. Or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. 